0: Hey guys, good morning. Good morning and happy new year. Oh man, it's 2022 and um, golly, time just flies by. Another year older, another year behind us, less years in front of us. Oh man, we're gonna make the most of this life. It's coming to a a close pretty quick. We are on the final curve in my little world. Um, But God is good. And uh, it's been an amazing ride, and I'm looking forward to another year. I hope you are too. Uh, I wanted to just slow down a little this morning. Got a little music playing in the background. Hopefully, we'll see how that goes. (laughs) uh, Hopefully, it won't put you to sleep. But um, I wanted to just think a little bit about where we've been the last couple of years uh, as we've moved through this COVID and some of the sermon uh, topics and series that that i've shared with our congregation here at burlington and um some of those with you over the last year or so year and a half and so uh in 2020 it started with this we we uh had just moved through covid 2019 and in 2020 we were thinking man we got to come back right we're ready to come back and things are going to kind of begin to get back to normal well we're, we're still working on that normal part but. We, we did a series called The Great Comeback and and, uh, and and bouncing back from a virus and a pandemic that kind of swept the world and was still battle with. And we talked about letting go and letting God, you know, just let, let him have control of, of what's going on. We talked about moving forward in our faith and just trusting God and walking with God in this world. Uh, a number of sermons in this series, we spent a while there, we talked about when the going gets tough, you know, and, and what that's like in 2020 when um, we're still battling and we're still, you know, we're still trying to to keep going forward in the midst of uh, stuff and chaos. And um, we ended the year 2020 and we jumped into the new year on this sermon series called Living Living on a Prayer and, and focusing our heart as we ended that year and went into 2021 on prayer just thinking about prayer we started our prayer wall which is still uh, up in our auditorium today with lots and lots of needs of people who need jesus who need healing and stuff like that and so we're praying for that 2021 came and we we started the series with uh survival tools remember that maybe i think i was recording at this point spiritual survival tools and uh, we kind of did a series through that, and then we moved into an Engaging Jesus series. We looked at Jesus' uh, encounters with different people that engaged with him. And then we talked about, for a while, we talked about getting in the game. Like, we're, the comeback is here, you know, it's time to get back in the game, to get off our couches, and, and get back in the action with God on his team. And then we, uh, we talked a little bit about when God steps in, we kind of, just went through that series prior to this series that we're in right now. We, uh, we, I always take some time at the beginning of the year, and I'm going to do that in the next few weeks after this week, talking about our core values as a church family and things that are should be core values to our life. And these are our core values at our church. And I try to preach on all five of these at the beginning of every year. In some way, I try to creatively bring them into the, the mix. And I'll do that over the next five weeks, uh, starting next week. On Wednesday nights, we're going through the Core 52. We're about to finish that. And then we're gonna jump in on Wednesday nights. And and uh, we do a Bible study on Wednesday nights live at our, at our building, but we also Zoom it. So if you're interested in joining us on Wednesday nights, We're gonna go through every book of the Bible, all 66 books, one book each week, and it's just gonna be like an overview. So, if that's something that like interests you, and you're going, man, I'd like to go through the whole Bible and just get an idea of what each book is about, we're gonna do that. If you want to jump in with that, send me a text, send me a message, and uh, we'll send you the link, and you could jump on Zoom every Wednesday night with us and just listen in. Uh, But we're talking about our God, our God of wonders, and. We've talked about a number of things about our God of Wonders. And our goal in this series uh, is, is simply this, to, to just see the greatness of God and His goodness and His wonder in the world around us. And, uh, and just be in all, you know, of God. We've, we, we want that then to encourage us, like to lift us up and, and motivate us so that we can not only be impacted, but we can impact the world. And so that's what we're we're striving to do with this series, Our God of Wonders. And and it's really got two parts. The first part is this, the wonder of God in the world. We've been talking about the wonder of God in the world. And then we move on. uh, The the second two-thirds of this message will be the wonder of God in the Word And um, so as we think about the wonder of God in the world, we we see the wonder of God in a lot of different ways. Uh, You know, we've talked about Niagara Falls and the Northern Lights and the the Taos Hum. And and there's so many different ways, the womb, the wonder of God in the womb and the baby. We talked about baby Jesus and and the wonder of God in Jesus. Uh, But today I wanna talk about the wonder of God in nature. And there's a lot of different ways we could hit on this, but, but the one I want to talk about is the marvel of God in the caterpillar, the caterpillar. I mean, such a crazy little thing. Sometimes you get one on you or you see one on the ground, they're kind of somewhat gross looking, but, but they're really a spectacular thing. And at this thought, the wonder of God in the world through the caterpillar is going to lead us into our topic for today. Um, what happens is we, we see the marvel of God in this little creature. It's just an amazing little bug that we can see God's amazing work through, like the wonder of God. Did you know that caterpillars in the womb or in the in the in the cocoon they turn into almost a complete liquid from as they move from caterpillar to butterfly, uh, and. Um, there is not one bone in their bodies. No bones. It's just like meaty substance. And here's the kind of the flow of the cocoon as the caterpillar gets into the cocoon. Uh, Did you know that caterpillars, here's the complete phase, caterpillars uh, release a a little toxin, kind of like a skunk, but lots lesser, uh, to defend itself. It releases a little smell to keep things away from it. So Things don't eat it as quickly. Here's the, the circle of life. This is kind of cool, I thought. A butterfly, a butterfly lays eggs on a leaf and those la- eggs turn into a caterpillar. Caterpillar crawls around for a little while, jumps into a cocoon and turns back into a butterfly. And, and that's the cycle. It's like a transformation, this amazing transformation that happens in the life of a caterpillar Flash, butterfly. And in that, we see the wonder of God in the world. And we look at that and we go, wow, man, God is so fascinating, like so creative. Like he didn't just make the creation and just say, there it is, like a boring thing. God was so like little details of every aspect of creation are like handcrafted by God. And they make us just go like, wow, that is insane. I mean, that is pretty intense. And and so we see the wonder of God in the world. And today we see it in the butterfly or the caterpillar in an amazing way. Uh, secondly, we see the wonder of God in the Word, in the Word of God. And uh, I want to spend a little time right here and uh, talking about God's Word. I, I think the first greatest wonder of God, like we've talked about, amazing places that you can go and see the wonder of God but I think the greatest wonder of God we talked about in the last two weeks is that God in a human being knits us together in a womb I mean that that's got to be like the most it's nine months in nine months God makes a human being inside of another human being I don't know if that could like get any any more awesome or wonder than that all that's going on in a baby as God begins to create that baby make that baby in the womb just incredible but I think then the next great wonder for us is that we can become in Jesus we can become a new creation and this is what we're going to talk about today. A new creation. We can be changed. We can be transformed. Kind of like the caterpillar. We can take on a whole new look. We can take on a whole new purpose. We can take on a whole new life when we come into Jesus. And as we move into 2022, this is so very, very important. That, that we start that we start this new year with this mentality of being in Christ. Because you and I know the world is going faster and faster in the wrong direction. And there are people in power and place that are leading us in the wrong direction. And, And God is not wanted. Morals are not wanted. Standards are not wanted. The word of God is not welcomed. And as long as that is the case, Christians are going to continue to become the target. The target, because if you stand for any kind of truth, if you stand for any kind of standard, and you say anything about marriage or about abortion or about gender or about God's ways, you are going to become an outcast. And we already are becoming that outcast in this world. The enemy is turning up the heat. And so as we begin 2022, we need to keep thinking about how how God wants to create in us this new person, a new creation. And I hope if you've never given your life to Jesus that you will consider doing that as you start this new year, that you'll think about how, how your relationship with God is, where you stand with God. And that if you were to die today, would you, are you ready to enter eternity and spend all eternity in heaven or in hell? If you died today, would you be in heaven with God? Whatever the answer is to that question for you, I, I hope that in Jesus you are a new creation and that you are headed to heaven. The next great wonder after the womb is that we can become a new creation. It's the great wonder of God for us. And and this is kind of huge. This is a big deal. This is a big deal for a lot of reasons that God has moved in such a way that we can come back. We can come back into a right relationship with him because sin has severed our relationship with God. Sin has put an obstacle in the way of our relationship with God and and that the Creator would come after us, that God would send His only Son, Jesus, after us after we had wandered away in sin and rebellion toward Him because each of us have gone our own way. We've each strayed. We each have said, I'm doing it my way, God. And we have sinned against God. Every one of us, every one of us, we're all in the same boat and that boat is sinking. And the only hope, the only way off is in a relationship with Jesus. And if this is true, if it is true that God would come after us, then that changes everything. You know, that changes everything for you and for me. Life here is no longer just ho hum or just same o same or just a boring life of existence. We are no longer stuck in the past, and it's no longer about what was. If Jesus truly has come for us and we can be a new creation in Christ, then it is not about where we've been, but it is about where are we going? Where are you going? Not just each day as you live your life on this earth, but where are you going in all of eternity? Where will you end up? Where are you going? See, if it's true that God has sent his son for us, and it is, then here's the thing. Everything changes. Our values change. Our value, our personal value has changed. We're no longer sinners stuck in our sin and our wickedness, headed for uh, eternal separation from God, but we are now God's children, and we are valued as God's children. We're no longer lost and wandering. We have been found, and we are his kids. It changes our attitude because we're no longer just living life, existing on the planet, just trying to figure things out. But now we are striving to become more like Jesus in every aspect of our life. We have purpose and we have direction. And our purpose has changed. We're no longer just living to make a paycheck, to live another day, to pay the bills, to eat food, to go to sleep. That's not why we live. We have a purpose in Christ. He's put us here for a reason, and we are about his kingdom. We're about living for the kingdom of God. And our destiny has changed because of Jesus, because we can have a new life, a new creation in Christ. And we're no longer wandering and and going to end up separated from God. We can now have hope to cross this this great bridge that Christ has built and have eternal life in Him. We are citizens of heaven in Christ. As a new creation, we are citizens of heaven. See, if sinful man, if sinful man separated from the, the Creator because of our sin, can become a new creation, then God has done a miraculous wonder. God has done the impossible. He has done a wonder. And this becomes one of the greatest wonders on the earth. Heaven came down and glory can fill our souls. We could become children of God. That is incredible. I want to share with you a passage of scripture. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you got your Bibles, go there. I'm going to throw it up on the screen for you. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 5, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. That's beautiful, isn't it? Paul says it so well. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. We don't live according to the flesh any longer. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, key word is in, Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us, you and me, the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Jesus not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are, therefore, Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. You know, that's my prayer. That's God's prayer for you this year that you would be reconciled to God, that you would help other people be reconciled back to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What what an amazing passage. I just want to spend a little time thinking about with you this wonderful passage about being a new creation. Paul is talking about this ministry or this message of reconciliation reconciliation in a nutshell is basically bringing people back together spiritually speaking it's bringing people back into a relationship with god it's you and i getting restored in a relationship with god that we have been cut off from that that's that in jesus we can be reconciled back to god we can come back into a right standing with the with the god of all creation Reconciliation is simply bringing two back together. Two people have become enemies, bringing them back together. I remember flag football in Newburn, North Carolina. Uh, there were some guys that played on our uh, in our league and, and there was a lot of friction with some of these guys because they were very competitive and they didn't like the rules at times and they didn't like the calls at times, but I was running the league and we had like eight teams and it was really going good. But there was one guy in particular, a great athlete, great man. But but we got, had gotten some friction between us. And I remember I was officiating the game, a game, and he can't, comes up to me during halftime, and he stood right next to me, and he looked at me, and I'm thinking, okay, what's 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 he gonna say? And he said to me, you know, you know what? How about we bury the hatchet? And I said, yeah, let, let's do that. Let's let's kind of let's start over. Let's try to, let's try to go from here and and make things better. You know, it's not perfect, but let's just do the best we can. And he's like, yeah, man, let's do that. I, I'm, I'm sorry. And I just want to just, just to have a good relationship and I, and, and have a good league. And I thought, man, that's, that's it. That's reconciliation. Two people, that are at odds with each other, coming back together, but even bigger than that that, that, that we can come back into a relationship with the Lord. That's what reconciliation is. It's uniting souls back to God, back to God. And so let, let's dig in a little bit. This is the key passage, verses 17 and 18. Paul says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The new creation is here. The old has gone and the new is here. Just think about that for a second. If you have come into a relationship with Jesus Christ and He has washed you clean, you've given your life to Christ in obedience to Jesus and what He says, then you're a new creation. And that old self, that old you, is dead. You have died to your sin. You have been buried with Jesus in baptism. A baptism that you decided to to do as an adult, not a child, not an infant. But that you realize that I am a sinner separated from God. And I need to be washed of my sin. I need to be immersed into Christ. I need to be buried with Jesus. If you've done that and you become a new creation, then the old is gone. And the new has come. Paul says, verse 18, all, all of this, this this mysterious, wonder, miraculous work is all of God. It's all from God. God who reconciled us back to himself through his son, Jesus. He brought us back into a relationship with him. He made that possible. And then what he did was he gave us the ministry or the message of reconciliation that that it's not enough that you're saved that you're okay with God but that you go out and tell other people that they need to be reconciled to God as well oh this is such a great passage what God has done for us is incredible like if the natural wonders of the world aren't enough to go wow look at what God has done And if the natural wonder of the womb isn't enough to go, whoa, God is super incredible. And when we were cut off from him, from the creator, God made a way for us to come back, to be made new again, to be born born again, to be free from sin, set free the sin that separated us from our God, our creator, the one who made us, who loves us. God made a way for us to come back. And in these in these verses in 2 Corinthians two things kind of pop up or pop off the page that I want to point out to you. They just kind of jump off the page when it comes to this section of scripture. If you're looking at it in your Bible, you'll see what I'm talking about here. But in 2 Corinthians, what God did for us because his ways are infinite. <laughs> they are uncountable. His wonders for us, unimaginable. He's so good. And what he did for us was this, according to the passage, in Christ, you're a new creation. And come into Jesus. Give your life to him. You become a new creation. In Christ, we are reconciled to him. He reconciled us to himself. God brought us back to himself. When you think about what God has done for lost sinners, lost souls like you and like me, it's incredible. The wonder is just out of this world. It's greater than any wonder on the planet that in Jesus, we could come back into this relationship with God. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, that he cares about everyone, every tribe, every nation, every race. Every person, it says, not counting men's sins against them. He made a way for your sins to be washed clean. The board erased of your life in Jesus. Only in a relationship with Jesus. And then he says, all of this is from God. (laughs) When we were far away, God brought us near. When we were cut off, He built the bridge to bring us back. When we were cut off, lost, and wandering around the planet, our souls lost like sheep who had gone astray, He came after us. And the passage says, He who had no sin became sin for the sinner. The one who was perfect, Jesus, the one who was perfect, took your sin on himself and nailed it to the cross. And that's the only reason that any of us can be free from our sin because Jesus took it and he nailed it to the cross. What God did for us is the wonder of God for me and for you personally, personally in Christ He reconciled us back to himself. He brought us back. In Christ, we have remission of our sins, the forgiveness of our sins. In Christ, we have redemption. Jesus paid the price. He reclaimed us back to himself when we wandered away. He bought us back. And in Christ, we are recreated. We are recreated in Jesus. We are made, you and I, we can be made a new creation in Jesus, transformed like that caterpillar that turns into that beautiful butterfly because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. God is the God of covenant relationship. Think about that. Not just relationship, but covenant relationship. It's a strong agreement between two people or two groups. A covenant, right? With God, there's always two parts of the covenant. There's his part, and then there's our part. And he expects us to do our part as we expect him to do his part. And God's part is the impossible part. He does the part that we could never do. That's why he is the God of wonders, because he can do what we cannot do. In Romans chapter eight, Paul said this. You see at just the right time, when we were powerless, stuck in our sin, dead in our sin, Christ died for the ungodly. While we were sinners, he died for us. He didn't wait for you and me to clean ourselves up and then die for us. He came and died for us while we were still in our sin. When we needed him most, Very rarely will someone or anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. For us, stuck in our sin, Jesus went to the cross. You know, every once in a while, every once in a while, you see somebody who might get stuck in quicksand, right? Um, and, they, and they can't move. They can't go anywhere. Back in the, in the 60s, if you watched a Western movie, pretty much somebody was going to end up in quicksand. And they were going to throw him a rope and tie it to the horse and drag him up and out of the quicksand. Quicksand is this like thick, liquidy, dense sand that's kind of very... Liquidy, and it kind of grabs you, and it kind of pulls you in, right? It just like won't let you go. Not many people die in quicksand these days. You just don't. You can't find a statistic on how many people every year die in quicksand. It just doesn't happen that often. But. If you are ever stuck in quicksand, if say you're walking on the beach or you're by a lake or you're near a river or whatever, and and it's real soft and you step in it and you go in and you start sinking in quicksand, here's what you do, here's what you're gonna do. First of all, you're gonna relax and get calm. Because the more you squirm, the deeper you're gonna sink. And so you get calm and you try to relax and lay back. And you try to think about trying to float in the quicksand. You get your body spread out, you lay back, and you try to get yourself stable. And then you slowly wade yourself back to solid ground. And here's the thing. There is a 50-50 chance that you're going to live. So, you know, 50-50, you got to take those odds. Well, there is a spiritual quicksand. There is a spiritual quicksand that we are all in, every person. And we are stuck up to our necks in this quicksand. And there is no getting out of this mess. It is a quicksand from hell that is spiritual and you cannot do anything about it. There is not a thing that you can do to get out of this quicksand. Paul said, while we were still sinners... While we were stuck in this spiritual mud, dead in our sins, Christ Jesus died for us. Jesus gets us out of the quicksand. See, there was an obstacle in our way. There was a humongous obstacle in our way, far bigger than we could ever remove. A chasm. A chasm to the pit of hell. Works couldn't, couldn't, Bring it together. Uh, Money couldn't close the gap. And religion will never close this gap. It is a gap of sin between man and God that goes all the way to the pit of hell. And there is no getting over to the other side. We were stuck in our sin and dead. And God gave us his son, Jesus. God sent his son, Jesus Christ. And God did all that. God did everything necessary to bring us back to him for you. God did it all for you. God did it for me and for you. So the second thing that kind of jumps out of this page, the first is, is, is in this covenant relationship that, that God did what we could not do. He did his part. He did the impossible. And the second thing is, this is what God expects from us. That's what Paul's talking about in this passage. That God has a plan for you and for me. That he's going to take care of his end of the bargain, but he expects us to take care of ours. Okay? There's no doubt. There's no doubt that God sent his only son and that his grace poured out for you and me frees you and me. We are free in Christ. We did nothing to deserve it. What we did do is make a mess. We made a mess, God came and sent his son and cleaned up our mess. And here's the thing, this grace, this grace is free. Jesus paid it all. We've established that much. But my response, your response requires us to live faith in action. It requires faith in our life, faith that is accompanied by action. It's a two-way covenant relationship with God. He does his part, and he expects us to do our part. He expects that out of us as people. He has always had expectations for us, even going back all the way to the time of Adam and Eve. He expected certain things out of them in the garden. They didn't do what he expected, and that's what got us into the mess. See, to believe in Jesus means to follow Jesus. It means to submit to Jesus and obey him on his terms. It is not enough to say, I believe in Jesus, or it's not enough to say, I gave my life to Christ. It's not enough to say, I go to church or I watch it on TV. It is not enough. It's not. That's not what God expects from us. That is part of what God expects from us, but that is not the whole. You know, James James said this in the book of James, chapter 2. He said, but someone will say, you have faith, and I have deeds. You show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God? Good Even the demons believe that and shudder. What James is saying here is faith without deeds is nothing. But faith with deeds is everything. Like actions, our actions, our obedience, our surrender, our willingness to submit to God is what God is after. Faith without action is dead. No faith at all. It's just empty talk. And so we come to him on his terms. He's the one that writes up the covenant. We don't. We just submit to him according to his terms. So how do we acknowledge? How do we respond to God's grace? Well, how we, how we respond to his grace is vital. It's, it's critically important. Our submission to him, our obedience to him, our faith, supported by a life of obedience to him is critical. And so what does God expect from you and from me? What does he expect? Well, Paul says this in, in our Second Corinthians 5 passage. If you still got it open, check this out. Just look through that as I share these thoughts. Paul says, here's what God expects. You must be in Christ. That you must be in Christ. In Christ is the key word. You must be in Jesus, you must get in Jesus. If you're not in Jesus, you're in trouble. If you're not in Jesus, you're outside of Jesus and you're cut off from God. But when you come into Jesus, then you're safe and secure. It means you must be born again. You need to come into Christ. He says the old is gone, right? The new has come. That's what we do. We take off the rear view mirror and we throw it away because we don't need it anymore. The old is no longer who we are. We are now a new creation. God doesn't really care about where you have been. What he does care about is where are you going? Where are we going as a church? Where are we going as God's people in this world of chaos? Where are we going? And then he says, he gave us, God gave us the ministry of reconciliation He says, we are Christ's ambassadors. You see that? We're ambassadors for God. We are his representatives on the earth. And so we want to represent God well on the planet. We represent God to the world. And that God is making his appeal to the world through us. God wants to speak through us, use us for his glory, to bring other people, to reconcile other people to him. See, you get reconciled to God, and then you help other people get reconciled to God. This is what God expects. I love verse 14, the beginning of this passage. In 2 Corinthians 5, Paul says, Christ's love compels us. Christ's love compels us. This word, this word compels, we probably all have an idea of what this word means, but it it means to constrain. It constrains us. I know you probably didn't think that's what it meant, but think about it like this. It constrains us. Here's what it means in this context. It It keeps us within. The word means cooped up or confined. It confines us, it coops us up and brings us in. It locks and loads us. It gives us this like laser focus. Like if you're an athlete and you're training for a sport or you're, you're, you're taking the court and you're gonna play or you're in the Olympics, if you don't have a laser focus in the moment that you're on that court or playing in the game or running the race, you will probably not do well. If you're thinking about other things, it's not gonna go well. You have got to have laser focus. That's what this word means. It compels, it brings our thoughts all into one and gives us this laser focus. You know, Jesus said in chapter 12 of Luke, he said this, he said, I have a baptism to undergo and I am constrained until it is accomplished. Jesus knew where he was headed. He was headed to the cross and he was on a laser focused path to die for your sins and my sins. He was constrained to his purpose and his destination in this world for you and me. It constrained him and locked him in to compel either and both of these two things. His love for us compels us, his love for me compels me, and my love for him compels me. Either or and both, right? Love of Christ, love to Christ, compels us. It moves us. It motivates us. It's like a magnet pulling us, drawing us in. His love, his great, great love for us, his amazing grace that saved a wretch like me, compels me because of what he has done for me. I don't deserve any of it. It moves us. It moves us to appreciate him. And it moves us to action for him. We want to serve our God. We want to honor our God. We want to please our father. Think about it. It's his forgiveness that causes us to forgive. It's his generosity that causes us to be givers. It's his grace that causes us to share the grace with the world. It's his servant heart that moves us to serving others. And it's his creativity that moves us out of the box to be creative for God in the world. It's all about him, what he's done for us that moves us to do back for him. We the Kingdom is a band that sings a song called Holy Water. And uh, Tasha Leonard sings the song and she sings these lyrics. Check them out. I don't want to abuse your grace. You've probably heard the song. I don't want to abuse your grace. It's the only thing that ever really makes me want to change. I don't want to abuse God, your grace your grace for me, what you've done for me. It's the only thing when I consider what you have done for me, when I consider what God has done for us, it should move us to loving God and wanting to do for God, compels us. That is if we still have a conscience, if we're not so numb from the world, flooding our mind and our heart with junk, if we still have a pliable heart, a moldable shape, if we still have good soil, if our heart is still good soil, God draws us in and moves us and molds us by His grace. That God, that God made Him who had no sin, Jesus, to become sin, our sin for us. That in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. What a beautiful, beautiful new creation we can become. The new creation is a supernatural wonder of God. You and I, we can't do this. God did all of it. All we can do is respond to it for what he's done for us. God sent Jesus to pay the price for my sin that in Jesus I can be reconciled back to God and so can you, that in Jesus we can become a new creation. The old is gone, dead. You, the old you is gone and a new you has come. Your sins no longer held against you in Jesus. This, this my friends, is the good news this is the very best news ever that we could come back into a relationship with God the womb is one of the greatest wonders of God in the world but when we wandered off when we went our own way God made a way back and in Jesus we can become this new creation in Christ another another amazing wonder of God, perhaps the greatest wonder of God, that we could come back into a covenant relationship with God. He gave everything for you. Will you give everything back? I hope this year will be a blessing to each and every one of us, but I hope more than anything we will come back into this right relationship with God, and we'll do everything we can this year to help our family and our friends and our neighbors and anyone else, our workmates, to come into a relationship with Jesus and become a new creation. God bless you guys. Happy New Year. Have a great year. We'll see you next week.